Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you, and welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. Today, we are going back in time, and there's some real jewels that we've recorded in the past. One such jewel was an interview I did in March of 1998 with my mentor, Dr. Alex Lackey. Now, Dr. Lackey was in the who's who as the most organized man in America. Alex was uh, just a profound individual who had a huge impact on my life. As you listen to these that we recorded together, you'll hear many of the things that are now part of my DNA, part of my life. And as I got a chance to listen through these recordings again, oh, it just brought back profound memories, as well as really challenged me to execute at a little higher level. We've been teaching about how to be more effective and how to be more efficient. Well, Dr. Lackey was that. Alex had a couple of PhDs. He won the Congressional Award for Education, performed on numerous occasions at Carnegie Hall, authored 10 books, was a father, a great husband, and just a tremendous, tremendous individual, a phenomenal leader. He ran one of the most successful private schools in Southern California. Just a brilliant man. Now, as you listen to this call, you'll hear some things, like you'll hear me talk about Providence, which was the name of our company before we changed it to Buffini and Company. There's great content here, great information. Today, we're going to talk to Dr. Lackey about how to be more organized, how to be more effective, and how to be more efficient. He's got five great tips. Take copious notes. It'll have a profound impact on you. Listen and enjoy. Top of the morning to everybody. Great to be with you here today. I am very, very excited about today's call. One of the most exciting things about what I get to do for a living right now is not just get to meet a lot of you folks and train and teach you and whatnot, but it has been a very, very exciting lifestyle that I've had for the past three years or so because I've gotten to meet some extraordinary people. and I've had some great influences and some just some super successful folks, not only in the high-profile side, but just people who are uh, remarkable individuals. In the last couple of years, I don't know that I've met anyone more remarkable than our guest on the call today. If I could give you the top 2% of his resume, let me just give it to you right now. Uh, and I really mean it, the top 2%. I, I could spend 45 minutes reading Alex's bio here. But basically, here's just a couple of things he's been involved with. He's got a couple of PhDs. He's got the Congressional Award for Education. He's in the who's who of America. He performed at Carnegie Hall as a singer. He's the founder of Super Skills which deals with uh, time and stress management, speed reading, memory power, communication skills. He's written 10 books. He's just a remarkable individual. And one of the secrets to Alex's success has been how organized he is. And one of the things with regards to organization is productivity. And as you see here, Alex not only has PhDs, but he's also involved with other pursuits like singing at Carnegie Hall and those kinds of things. And what we're all about at Providence is not just teaching you how to make more money, but how to make more money while having a better life. And I believe one of the great things about having a better life is being organized. And uh, from a guy who's been organizationally challenged much of his life, the information you're about to learn, Alex and I have been good friends for a number of years, and he has had a profound impact on me personally. We're going to cover five major points today. We're also going to have a chance, not only to have some questions, you're going to be able to ask Alex some questions yourself, but also next month we're going to do a second part to this call because there's so much to this, and this is such a vital part of helping you with your whole balance in your life and whatnot. And I believe organization is such a huge piece of that. Let me give you the five topics we're going to cover this morning. First of all, we're going to have a to-do list to die for. You've heard me talking about a to-do list. Alex is going to take that up to another level. Next, you're going to hear, don't touch me unless you mean it. Now, we're not dealing with sexual harassment. This is going to be on truly how to handle paperwork. And we're going to talk about ABC and paperwork, as well as you're going to hear about the famous C drawer that Alex has put together. The third major point is going to be the overwhelming A project, and we're going to get into how to handle major projects. We're going to deal with reverse scheduling inside that. The fourth major point is time blocking at its best, 
And then the fifth major point is start before you finish. And I'm going to share with you each one of these points are points that have been some way, shape, or form introduced to me by Alex and have had a profound impact on my own life and my own level of success. So with that said, the top of the morning to you, Alex. How are you doing? And the rest of the day to you, Brad. <laughs> All right, good. Great to be with you here today. It really is a treat. Let's dive right in. We have so much to cover and so short a time to do it. Why don't we just dive right in on the to-do list to die for? Why don't you talk to us about the importance of the to-do list and, and how to do it most effectively? Okay, Brian, you know that one of the most common things that is in common with all organized people is this daily to-do list. Mm -hmm. Some people think they don't need it, but you do need it, and you have to know where you're heading and what your parameters are for the day. Successful people all over have this. One of the main things to do is have one list, one planner, one place. One list, one planner, one place? Yeah, one place. Mm -hmm. All these little lists and uh, sticky yellow notes and all this kind of stuff, once one of those gets lost, so does half of your life. And so (laughs) it's, it's time to get that together. And it's good to have your appointments, your numbers, your schedule, and everything all together so that, that they don't get out of order. And Do you recommend doing a things to do list inside the planner? Absolutely. Okay. And because you have a cross-reference there with your monthly and weekly schedules as well as the daily things that you're going to do. I also have a master to-do list for uh, major projects, and I take off of that for each day. Okay. And one of the main things to do on this list is, of course, to list the five most important things that you have to do. There was a, a famous story of a Bethlehem Steel executive who had Charles Schwab come in and uh, say, why don't you help me out a little bit here and see if there's some way I could even make more money. And so what he did was look it over for a few minutes, and then he said, make a daily to-do list. You know, And he thought, how simplistic can you be? And really what happened in the long run was he said, you don't pay me anything till you see how much good it does you. What happened was he sent him a check for $10,000 within just a few days because doing those five major things each day and transferring them to the next day was one of the, the best things that ever happened to him. So, so one of the five most important things to do today and focus on the five? That's right. Break it into. Now, on the master's to-do list, I mean, would some of those be, I mean, not only short-term but medium and maybe even super long-term goals and you just keep that as a reference? Right. That would be part of your vision and as you have that in a specific place, once you start making your plans for the next week and next month and so on, then you incorporate that master list into your daily planning. So if I have a long-term goal and I take out the master list, maybe if it's a master list and it is long-term, maybe I get it you know, covered in a cellophane cover or something like that to keep it in the planner. Every sure. day I'm doing my things to-do list, take it out and just have that in mind as I'm, as I'm writing down my five things to do. That's right. And as you take out one of the major goals that you have coming up, you break out the steps that it's going to take to accomplish that, and then each of those become a goal. And Mm -hmm. what's a practical way to uh, break that down into a a doable uh, schedule, that's the way you're going to accomplish those things. And um, if you can keep that going all the time, you know, then in the back of your mind, you know it's happening, and you don't have that constant frustration of wondering if you're getting where you're supposed to be headed. Right. It parallels your vision of the goals that you want to reach in your life. And if you have weekly, monthly, and yearly goals... You know, in a three-year goal and a five-year goal, where you want to be. Otherwise, you're going to look back, and you're going to see that you didn't get anywhere. And this way, you do it step by step. Right, because the five major things we can do today can also, if we don't have the right perspective, they can be minor things. That's right. That's right. I've I've seen a lot of people work real hard, particularly in real estate, because sometimes you'll have, uh, you know, they want to get the plaque or the trophy or the award, they want to get the recognition, want to be number one, and there's nothing wrong with it. They want to win. You know, it's great. That's right. But what happens is... Winning is great, but it's a case of, is that also part of the overall plan? Gee, if it's winning and, and I lose a bigger picture, I win, and, but I don't take the time off. Gee, I wanted to, one of my major things to play golf at a certain level, and I won this award, but I didn't ever play any golf, or, you know, those kinds of things. Right, if you can't really do and put into your life what you want in there, then there's no point in, in trying to aim for, uh, in, like, seeing, can't see the forest for the trees kind right. of deal. That's great. Great. What else about a to-do list? What would be some of the top tips you could give us about a to-do list? I often talk about, uh, you know, put the difficult things first. Old Zig Ziglar says, do the difficult things like eating a frog, do it quick because it's not going to get any prettier. Right. One of the best things that helps me is 
as I do this daily to-do list and I'm working on a project, then I'm going to transfer those things I don't get done today onto tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Now, some of those are going to be bigger things than you can do in one day. We're going to talk about that later. Okay. But at this point, one of the things I don't like to do is have to keep writing it over, like, you know, tomorrow and then the next day and the next day. So I really hustle to uh, make sure I get it completed today. Right. And it helps me, especially that breaking it down into little parts really helps. I want to just insert here, too, Brian, that the fallacy that a clean desk is a sign of a sick mind. <laughs> Not necessarily true, you know. That it's a sign of somebody who knows what's important and where things are mm. and what things need to be done successfully to accomplish those goals. Do you think that's important? I think that's important because otherwise you spend your time shuffling through all these loose notes and piles and wondering where things are. You know, everything has a place and everything should be in its place. That makes a difference. I have really found this, and it really helps me, and I wanted to tell everybody that this can be a, a real boon to the organization, and that is when you finish with something, put it away where it belongs, and then you know where it is the next time. Well, that kind of falls into our next major point here. You're such a character here. You always have these saucy headlines. You have, don't touch me unless you mean it. Yeah. If you handle papers and you sort them, after you do that, then you should handle them only once. And there's this other little saying that says, once and done, once and done. Pick it up, do something with it. If you're not going to do something with it, don't pick it up. And if you do pick it up, do something with it that heads you toward what you're trying to accomplish. You know, I wanted to uh, mention here, both of these principles apply into the fact that completed work, finished work is exhilarating. Incompleted work is exhausting. Because mm, you wear boy, that on your great. neck, you know, on those shoulder parts where everybody gets uptight. Right. And you haul that stuff around that's not done. Get it on your list and get it done. And don't forget to, whenever possible, do it now. Right. I keep saying to myself, do it now, do it now. You know, don't put it off. So a it's good true. thing to do there, Brian, and I hope this ties in with both of those points too, but let's run a time check on yourself. Okay. What's just that to mean? make sure. Sometime just take the trouble to write down what you're doing, how long it took, and what you did for three or four days in a row. Huh. And don't try to pad that so it looks good. Try to be realistic, you know? <laughs> and then when that's over... In case anybody finds it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a private saying with you, you know? And so is a private, don't touch me unless you mean it. That really is talking about handling paperwork. Right. So, so a couple of things now, because you, you just threw out some absolute gold mine there. First of all, you said that completed work is exhilarating, incomplete work is exhausting. I had an experience. Uh, I was going to do the Sacramento retreat last week, and the night before the retreat, we had a new workbook, and I'd been working on it, working on it, working on it. And I just to help me prepare, about 10 o'clock uh, the night before I left for Sacramento, I started just to get into the flow of the presentation. I started rewriting the whole presentation. Right. And uh, Beverly, sometime later, comes taps me on the shoulder, and I'm like, okay, honey, I'll, I'll come up to bed in a minute. And she goes, no, the shuttle's here to get you to the airport. Oh, boy. And it was a quarter to six in the morning. Yeah. I got to share with you, I didn't sleep all night. I worked through the whole thing all night. I did not suffer from it whatsoever. I was so fired up. I was so exhilarated by the whole process because I just felt like I had really gotten so much completed and done. I didn't even notice the time. I didn't know. I thought I'd been doing it just a couple hours. Yeah, you know, Brian, I find that same thing because once I finish something and it's in the quality that I want it to be in, that gives me a whole lot more relief than a few hours of sleep wondering when in the world am I going to get this done. Now, let me ask you this because... For example, I had an assistant one time who handling a piece of paper one time was not her thing. That was not what she did. In fact, she her house uh, reflected it. In fact, in her garage, up in her rafter, she had stuff from the time she was in high school. Yeah. And this one was in her late 50s. She never liked to throw away anything. She had a tremendous fear that if she ever threw something away... You know, she threw something away she might need. It would just kill her. You know, just she hated it. And so what happened was she ran a very, very messy office. Many times we felt tremendously disorganized. And so here's one little thing that I did, and I'd love to hear your feedback on this. What I did was I made a commitment to her. I said, listen now, here's what I want you to do, Diane, is that any time you throw away anything in this office, and we actually find out later on that we needed it, I'm going to take you to lunch. Hey, that's great. And we're going to go celebrate. And if you do it twice in a week, I'm going to take you to dinner. And what I did was I turned her biggest fear into like a celebration. I'm going to share with you the whole time she worked for me. I only ever took her to lunch one time. She still kind of hung on to things. Sure. But she hung on to them less than she did before. Yeah, that was great that you encouraged her to do that because 
you know, people say if you haven't used something in a year, and some people say three years, they'd get rid of it. But, you know, it's true that people just hoard things like this. I had an assistant, and it's kind of like this. Actually, I inherited her mm-hmm. when I went into a management position one time. And it looked like rather than when you walked into her office, and our real estate guys, you know, can think of this. People look up and really welcome you, and boy, I'm really glad you're here. Rather, it looked like some kind of a sweat box, and she's behind all these papers. <laughs> and I thought, well, I'm going to change this. So I said, well, now what is your filing system? And she said, well, here's what I do. I have this big file right here, and every time I finish something, I put it in it, and it's called the done file. <laughs> now, every time she had to find something, she had to look through everything she had ever done. Oh, God. So that filing system is, is really going to be important, and getting rid of junk you know, is probably one of the best things you can do, just like you talked her into doing that. You know? Clean out the clutter. Yeah, absolutely. Handle it one time and once and done. Now, in real estate, for example, we get, if you don't show up to your office for a week, right. you can get something that looks like the L.A. phone book in papers and junk and whatnot. You've given me some good tips over the past. How do you sort through the massive amounts of, you don't know if it's good mail, junk mail, what it is. How do you actually go through that little sorting process yourself? Okay. That's good. Well, it includes mail and, and projects and so on to do the A, B, and C categories. I want to say, too, here that problems get worse and troubles fester when you put off dealing with them. You know, just picture in your mind somebody picking up a project or a difficult situation and thinking, oh, brother, I don't want to handle that now and putting it over to the side. Mm-hmm. Okay, by the time you pick it up again, it's worse off than it was before. That's mm-hmm. one. Two, you have to start from scratch and reread it and wonder where you're going. Look at the time that you're wasting there. Whenever possible, it's a good principle. Whenever possible, do it now. Hmm. See? So, do it now. Okay, yeah, great. do it now. Yeah, and if you don't act on the problem after you know picking up the paper and so on, then you just got to start all over and repeat that process. So that's one, is to categorize these things into A, Bs, and Cs. And this works. I mean, these are our top time management principles that successful people everywhere do use. And uh, this is where the C drawer comes in. Incidentally, the C drawer originally was a concept of a, of a guy named Alan Lakin who taught business MBA at Harvard. Hmm. And we both have, uh, you know, sort of capitalized on that because it works so well. But if you put an A, B, and C, and then you think back through the B pile and see, are these things really worthy of doing or could they wait? And mm-hmm. so then you can put them in either the A or the C pile. Well, the C drawer, that just means that's where all the C's go. And remember that you're the one that decides if they're A's or C's. So, I mean, if they really are C's, why spend your time doing three C's when there is one A waiting mm-hmm. to do? Well, sometimes the A is a, is a big deal, and it's bigger than you can handle at that time. So we're going to talk about that when we get down to the uh, overall A project. We talk about ABC clients, and I've talked to them blue in the face about ABC and your client base. Right, yeah. But as you talk about the paperwork, I mean, the first tip you gave me was actually to stand over my trash can. That's right. I've got right down here the waste basket. The round file is one of your best friends. That's the round file. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I'll tell you, use it, because otherwise you wait through that. Listen, get off of junk mail. Get out of mailing lists all you can. I don't ever waste time reading that kind of stuff anymore. I hate to tell you, but I'm not going to win the Reader's Digest $11 million deal. Right. I keep thinking I will. You know, I think it's in my my lucky stars there, but it isn't. <laughs> and so there's a whole lot of stuff that can waste your time. Another just thing I Stand above do, the trash can, sort through your mail right there, and just bang, 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 throw everything that's even remotely just... Anything that's a D instantly goes in there. That's right. And now, can you expand on the C drawer a little bit for me? Because you, you okay. mentioned, again, and you've, you've got so much great information here. We could do a conference call a day for a month on this stuff. But A, B, and Cs, obviously the A's are the, the high priorities. Those are the things that are most important. That absolutely have to be done and that they have a time constraint on them. Okay. Right. Now, the C's are those that are... Could be done. Would nice to be done? How else would you define that? That's good. That they're they're something that's worthy of doing sometime, but they aren't going to make the difference. Okay, it's not going to make the difference. Well, that's a great little phrase. Yeah. Okay, so it's not going to make the difference if it gets done or not. Everybody should remember this, Brian, that they always know where they are. Mm -hmm. If you have to go back to them and refer to them, then they're in that C drawer. Now, real estate people won't have to deal with this quite in the same way, but other people 
too. When their boss comes in and say, hey, where was that project? Well, you know where it is, and all of a sudden it becomes an A. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. But it gets promoted from a C to an A right that's now. Right. But even in whatever profession they're in, you know, somebody says, well, what happens when your C drawer gets full? Well, move it to another bigger one. <laughs> because if they're C's, why are you going to waste your life on it? Well, you still right. got A's to do. When you run out of A's, then go to the C's. Now, here's what I heard you say there, and correct me if I'm wrong. You're saying the B pile or the B projects or those types of things are really the transition projects, and it's really a case of you're not, maybe today you haven't decided whether they're an A or a C, so they're filing the B right now, but then you take them out, and you're constantly sorting through the Bs to decide, are you an A or a C? That's right. Or if you can, when you first encounter those three piles, just go ahead and decide. Right. You know, that's the do it now kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and decide, do I really need to do this, or is it something that would be, you know, a good thing to do if there were time? Right. And then just get them off of there, because otherwise it's going to frustrate you thinking, I wonder if there's something in the Bs that I need to be doing. If everybody on this call realizes that you have enough A's to do that are going to keep you busy all your life, mm-hmm. that you're not going to mess with C's. If you do, and a lot of people do, let me just say this, Brian, that a lot of people really invest time in C projects because they're easy to do. It's kind of rewarding because you think you got a whole lot done. Right. But let me just encourage you to say that if you did 15 C projects in one day rather than a third of one of the A projects, mm-hmm. you're way behind compared to if you had invested your time in the A projects. Well, here's the problem, Alex. We just talked about point two. Incomplete work is exhausting. Completed work is exhilarating. That's right. We've got, uh, gee, I've, I can make my calls. I could do a thank you note. I could do a pop by. I could send a piece of after sale service. Or I can get this flyer done right now. I know how to do it. It's easy to do. It doesn't take a lot of yeah. thinking to do it. I can get that done. I can put all the my stickies in order. I can get all my yeah. purchase contracts right. in order. I can do that stuff. And some of them, okay, that's done. That's done. That's done. I'm feeling good. Okay, yeah, I'm really feeling good. good. I'm right. feeling good. But I'm not closer to making any money. I think the big thing there is a C project. I think hopefully everyone on this call wrote this down. A C project's not going to make the difference. It's not going to make you that much more money. It's not going to buy you that much more time. It's not going to make the difference, and I think that's a big, big piece. And I think if we say that uh, completed work is exhilarating, it should be completed A work is not only exhilarating, but also extremely rewarding. Yeah, extremely rewarding. You know, watering the African violet and, and counting the paper clips to see if you need the new order in there and that kind of stuff right. isn't going to make any difference. Another really important thing to do along with this, and we'll talk about this on probably on the next conference, but that is when somebody else can do it, let them do it and learn how to delegate. Yes. We'll talk about that in detail at a later time. You bet. But it's vital that some of that simple stuff that only you can do the uh, really professional level stuff, then give that to somebody else that can handle it and don't involve yourself in it. It's funny. The next point just falls smoothly into that because we obviously, we, we talked about the C drawer. We talked about ABC and projects and paperwork and whatnot. Many times we do see projects because we can get something done in an hour or an hour and a half or even a day. Right. Many times we have an A project. It's our third major point here. And it's an overwhelming A project. Maybe it's building a referral directory or getting an after-sales service program in place or completely one time getting through the entire database or those kinds of things. Well, how do you deal with an overwhelming A project, Alex? Okay. An overwhelming A is something that, like you said, that cannot be done in one sitting. So you think, well, what am I going to do? Well, Starting the overwhelming A is one of the most important things you can do. And you come in and do a section of it. So on your to-do list, you can write down the breakdown of the overwhelming A to do one of the things that's going to move it toward its completion. Mm -hmm. And you poke a hole in that, and they call that the Swiss cheese technique. Mm. Because you poke a little hole, and later you poke another little hole, and pretty soon you have the whole block of cheese, you have the whole thing done. Overwhelming eight projects are projects that are too big to complete in one sitting. Mm-hmm. So do something on it, poke that hole in it, and then you're ahead. Don't substitute some unprofitable project for that just because you can complete it in the time you have. Mm-hmm. So it's really important not to be a hero and procrastinate because you work well under pressure, too. That's important. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> I would say it's more people than not. Look how many people file taxes on April 15th, Alex. It's true. you got a whole three- or four-month period of time. Yet April 15th, there's people standing in line. I'm in San Diego County down on Midway Drive. They're there till midnight, and they have big buckets and barrels and catching. And some of the people are getting refunds. Yeah, because they could give themselves a deadline and be just as diligent getting mm-hmm. that accomplished 
at an earlier time, and then they wouldn't have the pressure from outside to so do that. So, for example, a Swiss cheese hole, which is great, because if you knock enough Swiss cheese holes, eventually the whole cheese is gone. That's right. But what you're saying is set, maybe even if you have a, a deadline, set for yourself even an artificial deadline, but say, That's hold right. yourself to it. Right, and so somebody that says they work well under pressure, there are people that think that, okay, but pressure yourself before the deadline. Right. The fact is that if somebody says they work well under pressure, that's just great. That isn't, like I say, heroic because you may get sick, you may be in a car accident, and all of this time you're just planning next week or day after tomorrow to do something, it's spelled disaster. If you yes. wanted to get this project done and your whole profession or some big sale depended on it, don't think that you're unique, that you could not, for example, get the flu or mm. some high temperature or, or get in some kind of a situation where you couldn't complete it. So it's just good to plan ahead and give yourself those deadlines. So that is a powerful, powerful piece, Alex. I think what you just said to me is, hey, you might be good at, under pressure. You might be good at getting things done at the last minute. But here's the thing. First of all, if you work well under pressure, the one thing you're guaranteeing yourself is pressure. Yes. The second thing is you leave yourself no room for error. And if it's an A project and you work well under pressure, but something happens, you know, the old phrase, life happens while you're making other plans. Yeah, yeah that's a good um, one, too. You know, that uh, all of a sudden, boom, you know, life happens to you. And now, yeah, you work well under pressure, but you've given yourself no margin for error. You work well under pressure, but it had to go exactly perfect for it to get completed. That's right. And, and Brian, an important thing here that I've helped a lot of people with is mm -hmm. for them to realize that... Poor planning on my part can't create an emergency on somebody else's part. Ooh. For example, if you decide that you're going to put things off the last minute, I dare you to go to the post office and say, would you guys stay open all night tonight so I can get this done? Mm. You know, I mean, you might have Kinko's that works all night, but there are a whole lot of places that don't. Right. And so you have to have your plan scheduled so that you don't have these last-minute pressures, like you said, with no margin for error, and all of a sudden somebody doesn't cooperate. And so inside the overwhelming, because you're talking about scheduling right there, yep. can you just give us a brief rundown? I know, you, you again, you could give us a whole 45 minutes on this, but on reverse scheduling and exactly how you work it with regards to an overwhelming A. Okay, and I think this is one of the most crucial things that any of us can do if we're doing projects of you know any magnitude at all. But to set a final date... That's where you start. You don't start at the beginning. You start at the end. Right. And you figure every aspect of time management, that every detail of the production that's going to take, every step that it's going to take and every person it's going to take. And then you start at the end and work backward in many deadlines. Mm -hmm. If you set those many deadlines and you say by this date, it's going to take two weeks to get that out in the mail and whatever, then what happens before that two weeks is the step that would take you to you know that stage of the of the production. So... What uh, you need to do there with those mini deadlines is if you get off just a little bit of, uh, for example, if you had 10 deadlines instead of one big one at the end, mm -hmm. then you can easily catch up. But if you wait, like you said, with no margin for error, and you get down to the final wire and then you're behind, then it is you're behind. So, <laughs> <laughs> so for example, say I have 10 mini deadlines and you know this happens and this happens and maybe I miss one. Or miss two. Yeah. But because I have ten of them, boy, I, I might be able to get three of them done at one time. That's right. You can pick up a day, but that's right. a lot easier than picking up a week at the end. Say. Right, right. And that takes off the pressure. You know, service organizations and merchants just don't stay open late just because you plan poorly. Mm. And remember this, too. I think it's really important that uh, not only poor planning on your part should not create a crisis for somebody else, but that an excuse is no substitute for a product. Mm. You know, there's a, a boy that was running for the train, and as he pulled into the depot and the train pulled out, this old man says, I guess you didn't run fast enough, did you, Sonny? And he said, yeah, I did run fast enough. I just didn't start soon enough. Right. <laughs> and so, exactly. Yeah, you know, and it's just an important thing. I was teaching a class at a university one time, and if you guys can, can stand a music example here real quick, I said, we're going to study the Romantic period, and we're going to study Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. And so one of the majors, actually, in that field said, I'll bring it from the CD. And I said, okay, can I count on that? And he said, absolutely. So the next time he came to class, I said, now we're going to listen. I didn't ask him. I just said, we're going to listen to Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. And I said, Rich, would you give me the CD? He said, I forgot to get it. I said, that's okay. We'll listen to your excuse instead of the symphony. <laughs> and so, but I, they realized an excuse is no substitute for product. It doesn't sound the same, you know. That's great. So, 
All right. So what I got from that is, first of all, an overwhelming hey, you just start it. You just start it. That's okay. Right. The second point we had was just do it with regards to don't touch me unless you meet it with the paperwork of the projects. Just do it. Right. With the overwhelming hey, just start it. Uh, we have one of our members, a uh, wonderful gentleman by the name of Sam Elsey, and he has a principle inside his business called Fire Ready Aim. Oh, yeah. And so you right. just start it. Get it going. You're thinking of the Swiss cheese technique. Start at the end, so you say, okay, here's the end of the project, the Covey and Seven Habits says, you know, start with the end in mind, that's exactly what we're talking about, and what you're saying with regards to a project, you're going to start at the end and say, okay, this is what it looks like completed, then you're going to list every step and every person involved in the process, and then you're going to set many deadlines from that date, working backwards to today, so you know exactly what to do and when. Today, and I'll give you one more quick example. Do we have time for that? Yeah, sure. Okay, I had a PR guy one time. He was in charge of development of a system of schools that I was the uh, superintendent. And he said, I want to tell you, you're going to be really proud of me. It's only spring, and next fall we're going to have this great big project. And he said, I I just want to tell you that I'm going to start this in June. I said, well, hey, that's really good. You want me to work on that with you for a minute? And he said, sure. So we started, this was kind of like like March, maybe. Mm -hmm. And we started at the end and started backing up. How long does it take to print? How long does it take to mail? You know, all of those things. And we're backing up now into these categories and so on. If he hadn't started the next week instead of two months from then, he'd never had it. It never would have been accomplished. Right. And so it's just really vital that you figure out how long it's going to take to do each of those steps. Set however many deadlines it's going to take and then stay on those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Super. Well, let's talk about the next major point, time blocking at its best, because, again, each one of these points falls into the next. And time blocking, now that we've got our mini deadlines, we've got the steps and whatnot, now finding the time each day to do it, this is the power. So you've taught me as much as anybody on time blocking. Uh, why don't you just talk a little bit about how to set aside the time and how to actually uh, put the time to work? Okay, well, it really has helped me, and it even ties in with the to-do list. One of the things in your time blocking should be to do your to-do list, okay? And you should do that at the end of the day or at the beginning of the next day. Mm -hmm. And so you know what's coming up and you know how long it's going to take to do each one of those things. And then during that week and during that day to group similar activities, you know, like if you're going to make phone calls, write letters and all that kind of thing, do several at one time. A lot of people make a mistake by making a phone call, writing a letter, making a phone call, doing something else. And the whole idea is once you got that phone hot, to keep it up there. And I lead a group of men in a particular study here in the evening once a week. Mm-hmm. And I have 15 guys. And I have to call them every week. Well, with all the things I have going, it's really tricky to do that. So I pick up that directory, I get the phone, and I make them all at one time. And then the next thing I do, if I'm sending cards or letters and that kind of a deal, I get my calendar out. And incidentally, I just want to say here, Brian, I think it'd be really good to tell everybody those thoughtful things like cards and phone calls and so on like that can make all the difference. Well, I'll tell you, that's such a big piece of our program, as you know. Yes, it is. Because I believe it's the difference between getting referrals and not. Right. And you know that it might be just an interesting little personal quip here to say that in some of the organizations where I've been, right away I find out the birthdays and the anniversaries. Mm-hmm. And I not only send everybody that's on my staff a birthday card, but I send their spouse a birthday card. Mm-hmm. And once in a while, that has really been something. But I'll tell you what has really capped it for me was I also send anniversary cards. So I write about 70 cards a month, you know, easily that many. And it has really paid off because some of these people have come up and said, oh, do you know what? We forgot our anniversary, or some guy will say, I forgot my anniversary, right. but we got your card, and then you rescued the whole thing, you know. Or yours is the only card we got. Now, you think that when they're going to sell their house, they're not going to, you know, keep me in mind if that's what I do for a living. You bet. So well, I've seen your staff, and I've been to your the organizations that you've run, and these folks would fall on their sword for you, Alex. And yeah. Tremendous, well, passionate loyalty from anyone who works for you. Those little things have been a big thing. In regards to taking a look at my schedule, how do you exactly administer time block? And you say, okay, I'm going to get these 15 calls. Boom, you're just going to get it all done. Okay, I'm going to set aside an hour. What kind of techniques do you do to stop the interruptions, to stop the people disturbing you, to stop the incoming calls? I think an important thing there is when I do set that schedule, and I want to be a little bit flexible just in case of some unusual situation, Mm -hmm. but I think it's really helpful to say that at this time I'm going to return calls from 11 to 12. Right. But I don't want to sound like I have something else more important than the person that's calling. Okay. So I always word that, you know, tactfully and to say I'm really excited to have you call and to get back to you 
and I'm going to be able to do that probably around 11 o'clock. You know, something Beautiful. like that, so it's not too cut and dry. Okay. But that I would like to do that. And so if they know they can plan on that, you know, that's great. Because you could make your calls between 11 and 12. Otherwise, you're pestered by the phone all the time. And you're not going to get any of this other stuff done. Well, that's a big thing that I push and teach at the retreats. I think that's a nice enhancement you just talked about there on the time blocking is is to not just say, I'm going to be returning calls between 11 and 12. Don't disturb me. I'm the Terminator. But right. uh, to actually have an air of joy and frivolity in your voice and say, hey, I'm really excited about your call. I'm fired up to call you back. Probably be returning those calls today, but right between 11 and 12 o'clock. If you have a, a better time, just let me know, yep. and I'll be happy to call you then. Absolutely. Then they know that they are important and that you're looking forward to it. You're not doing it just because it's a routine you know, that you have to do every day. So that's really good to block out a time for those activities. Say, on Wednesdays at such and such a time, this is when I write the cards for the week or two days a week, whatever, and uh, block out time for phone calls and so on. I also want to say, and I think it's just really vital. In fact, somebody called in earlier this morning about how do you get stuff done for yourself. Right, then we've got some questions here. Somebody was talking about, how do you balance being organized, having time for self-work? I got housekeeping duties today, especially yeah. for working moms. You know, how do I do this stuff without having to go out and hire people to do it? Well, I think that's a really good question, too. And, and the whole idea is you have to schedule yourself in there, too. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that you remember that if your kid or you are listed in your schedule, that's as important as anybody else. Mm-hmm. And if you don't abuse that, then, frankly, you're going to do a better job with dealing with the other people and the other projects, if in the back of your mind is, I never get to do anything for myself or my family, you're mm. going to feel a lot better about it, and you're going to do a better job. And knowing that you're controlling it, it's not controlling you. And that's a brilliant, brilliant point there. Schedule yourself in as an appointment. And sometimes uh, this will also revolve back to a self-esteem issue, because sometimes people will schedule themselves in, but they don't consider themselves an A. Subconsciously, they believe they belong in the C drawer themselves. Yeah, so that's that their help too, Brian. That's or a, working out, or eating, or going to play golf, or going to spend yeah. time, or reading a book, or do those type of things. That their value is not that great. The value is more. Oh, gee, my value is right now. I should be in a car show in a house or something right. like that. It's an excellent point because if you don't consider that time for you and your family or yourself an A, then you really aren't going to be able to make the other A's the quality that you want them to. I have a couple kind of interesting things here. You know, if you spend about 20 hours per day, we've I've done a little research on this, for sleeping, meals, grooming, work, transportation, and so on. So you should regulate those routines in your life, and then you have to carefully plan. You've got about four hours of your own. Mm-hmm. And if everybody can't get those in every day, you know, that's one thing, but you have, you know, some weekends and, and so on. But you should schedule those four hours and really make them count for yourself. Anytime my kids did anything in school, if they had a football game, a cheerleading thing or whatever, I was there. And that was without exception mm-hmm. because I scheduled that as VA. And, you know, I didn't say to everybody, well, I'm sorry, you know, I've got to go watch my daughter cheerlead. So you can just shove your house for a while and then we'll, <laughs> we'll get back to you later. But, uh, you know, to say that I've scheduled for that time, I've got a really important conflict, and I'm going to do everything I can to just get right with you just a second. You know, people roll with that. They do. And you've got to remember that, that those parts of your life, you know, you just have to get that in. And if you don't, you're going to run out of gas. And then you're going to be operating not because you're just full of vitality to get done for your clients what you can, but you're going to be wishing you were somewhere else, and then you're not going to do their best Well, people job. look at it. You know, we've known each other for, for so long now. I've come to your organization and seen people waiting outside your door to talk to you, appointments all day, information all day, da 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 dum and yet I'll come up with an idea of a project or whatnot, and I'll throw it at you, and it's done in two days. And that's what they say, well, gee, if you want something done, call a busy person. It's not just, oh, well, gee, that's the way Alex was born. Because I have been in my past very disorganized in different areas, and I've taken so much of this stuff you taught me on board, and uh, in many, many areas become super organized. I'm still, as I'm sitting here today, I've filled three pages of notes so far on the areas I'm still working on. Yeah, and you know, Brian, knowing your life, you'd surprise any of us to think you were ever disorganized. But, you know, kind of a bottom line to get there that we're talking about is to divide your projects into A's, B's, and C's, that you kind bet. of deal. But throughout the day, just keep asking yourself the deal of doing it now, and is this the best thing I could be doing with my time? Now, sometimes a golf game is the best thing you can be doing right. with your time. And sometimes, uh, you know, driving your kids to Little League. But I have a saying that says, 
reminds me to check in daily with your perspective to make sure you're headed in the right direction. That is, how do you get there? And how do you decide? Well, what are your real values? And whatever those are is to put your energies into. Right. And the goals that we're talking about professionally, those things are all going to lead to your track for life, you know? Well, you know, it's a big thing because, Alex, here's the thing. If I ask people to write down their values, and I've gone through this exercise a number of years ago, one of the things that really helped me was I wrote down all my values and the things that were really the things dear and, and super important to me in my life. And they were very highbrow and very deep convictions and deep perspectives and whatnot. And then what I did was I just, you talked about earlier on the time check. I did a time check on myself for a week and I broke it down to, into 15 minute segments for every day. That's good. At the end of the day, I broke it down to 15 minute segments what I did. And when I compared what I was doing on a day with my values, I wrote on the top of what I was doing with my schedule, my real values. Right. And I wrote on top of what my values were, my desired values. Uh-huh. And what I found is that I was not living even close because some of my real values were a couple hours of watching CNN or stuff like that. My desired values to spend more time with my bride and my kids and da 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 da. And all of a sudden, it's like, you know, it's very easy as we let our guard down, it's very easy in those moments to slip off track. And as we look at the schedule and yourself in as an appointment, you're saying, hey, is this the best thing I could be doing, which is a great check? to ask yourself and then the next thing how does this match up when you say with your perspective how does it match up with what your goals are and what your real values are that's powerful I think that's really good Brian because sometimes like you say you have these nebulous values and everything that you do does not lead toward accomplishing those Mm -hmm. you totally get sidetracked that's why just writing those in and be brave enough to do it and it'll pay off Beautiful. Well, let's cover our last point here, our fifth point, which is start before you finish. Sounds weird. I know this is a fun little thing, but this is a tip that I think will really make the difference for many people listening to this call. Why don't you just tell them what that's all about? Yeah, I love this point, Brian. Start before you finish. The thing that we're talking about here is before going to lunch or taking a break, quitting for the night, whatever else you do, is to start something that you're going to uh, dig into when you get back. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is, no matter how simple it is. And this seems too simple. Some yes, think, I know. Oh, brother, why would anybody tell me this? But let me tell you, I do this. And once I heard this principle and I started doing it, it made all the difference in the world. Some of you say, okay, it's time for lunch. You know, let's go. And so I'll say, okay, be right with you. And what I'll do is say I'm writing notes after I get back from lunch. Mm-hmm. And I will say, dear John, and I'll have an address there. And then I'll leave that open on my desk. When I get back, I think, hey, look at this. I mean, and I know I'm simple, you know, in a way like that. You feel kind of dumb in a way. Mm-hmm. But the idea is, I think I've already started this, and I can just, now it's going to be really easy to take into it. But if you have to take out your address book, and you have to get out the stationery, and you turn on your computer, whatever else, right. you're not going to, uh, it's not going to be as easy, and you will find something else to do instead. So well, I, it's wild. I always get that out. But even just Dear Tom, you know. Or address the envelope. It makes all the difference in the world. Well, the other part of it is, Alex, is that, you know, the brain is such a powerful supercomputer. Oh, absolutely. And we use such little piece of it that, for example, like you said, and I have tried this, and I, when I first heard you say this, I thought, you know, that's an eccentric thing. Yeah, I really I know. did. And so I, I set out to prove you wrong. And so yeah. I, w- I would have like letters. I had a friend that Donald Sheeran was my best friend growing up in Ireland. And I had not written him in two years. Yep. Well, I was finishing up one evening at the office, finishing up, finishing up, and I just took out a piece of Providence stationery. I wrote on the top of the page, Dear Donald, just want to write you a note to say hi. And I put down the pen. I was late. I took off out the door and went away. Now, I put off that letter for two years. I came back in the next morning, picked up the pen that was done. Yeah. And so you're saying the same thing about lunch. You say somebody's writing thank you notes and say, okay, I'm going to start writing thank you notes after lunch. Well, many times they come back after lunch, get distracted, it doesn't happen. You're saying, start the first one, leave it open, leave the pen on the page, go to lunch, come back, pick up right where you left off. Yes, sir, because every time that happens, when you get back, you're going to think, you know what, I do need to write Tom or whoever it is, but I don't think I'm going to get to that today. I'll do it tomorrow, that kind of thing. But if you've got it out there, a whole lot easier than putting it away and starting over again is to just go ahead and do it. That's great. And let me say one more thing, if I can. Mm -hmm. In planning your time blocks, Brian, in this communication we're talking about, I have a little saying, make gratitude an attitude. Mm. And somebody does something for you that's real simple and maybe not much. I mean, I let them know I appreciate it anyway. I I kind of over-appreciate it in a way. 
But, you know, cards to follow up even a meeting or, you know, if somebody rubs you the wrong way, send him a card mm. for something he did right. And maybe he'll be your best friend. You might get a referral out of it. You know? Right. But to make gratitude an attitude and... You know, accentuate you the positive. Yeah, accentuate the positive. That's, That's right. great stuff. Well, let me just summarize what we've covered here this morning. We started off with point number one, which was to-do list to die for. We covered it real quick. One list, one planner, one place. Start out with a master to-do list, and then you break it down into the five most important things to do. Right. The second major point, which was don't touch me unless you mean it, which is you're going to handle it one time. It's done once, and it's done. Incomplete work is exhausting. Completed work is exhilarating. And the big point there is do it now. We got into the ABC projects and paperwork, and it's if it's a C, it's not going to make the difference. The B is the transition, and the A are the things that are most important to be done. Point number three was the overwhelming A project, which is a big deal. First of all, you want to just start it. Fire ready aim, as Sam Elsie says. You're using the Swiss cheese technique. Poke little holes in it at a time. Then you're going to start at the end. You're going to take a look at what does it look like at the end of this project. You're going to write down every step and every person involved to make the project come about. And then you're going to set many deadlines along the way. You may find out you're already behind the eight ball when you thought you had lots of time. The fourth major point, time blocking. And we're going to talk about scheduling yourself in as an appointment, which is a, a profound, profound piece of information. Schedule yourself in as an appointment. Have this question all the time through the day. Maybe you write this up on, a, on your computer or on a desk or on sticky and out on the wall or up on a grease board. Is this the best thing I could be doing? That's Ask right. yourself that all the time. And then also do a time check. Alex talks about breaking down what you're doing during the course of a day down into small little pieces of time and then write them down specifically. And then at the end of that, point number five, start before you finish. Very self-explanatory, almost sounds remedial, but very, very, very powerful and effective. If you're going on lunch, if you're going home at night, start the project you're going to be working on the next day. If it's writing a letter, if it's writing thank you notes, whatever it is, those kinds of things, just start them. Just get the ball rolling on it. Leave it undone. Go away. Come back. It'll get done in a heartbeat. It absolutely makes a difference. That's right. Beautiful stuff. Well, Alex, let's do this. Uh, I know we've got a lot of people at different levels of organization on the phone right now. We have 700 people on the call. If you guys have a question for Dr. Alex Lackey, this is a great opportunity for you. This is one of my heroes and a man who's had a big influence on me, a very, very powerful individual indeed who's just uh, achieved at some high, high levels in this uh, life. What I'd like you to do, if you have a question, uh, just push number one on your keypad and we'll take your questions. Jim Moscato is online with a question. Hey, Jim, how are you doing? Very good, Brian. Uh, good. good morning to you. And uh, to you too, Doc. Thank Dr. you very much, Jim. Um, one thing I was noticing that I was doing while I was listening, I thought I was giving full attention at the same time I was handling some paperwork here in front of me. <laughs> uh, I have a tendency to try to do two things at once all the time. Mm. I think it's something I should break myself of. I don't know if in this case it uh, disturbed anybody, but I think in some instances it can distract when I'm uh, trying to do some things. Have you any suggestions or comments about that? I do a little bit. Shall I get Tate on that, Brian? You bet. Uh, you know, I'm like that, too. I try to do two or three things at a time, and I realize that not any of those things is getting my full attention. And I think it's really important in communication, too, especially when you're dealing with people. This eye contact and really unique concentration is going to pay off in the long run. I have a hard time just stopping one thing and, and doing another, and I know that it's kind of watering it down in a sense. So. I think it's good to just stop, concentrate, and then get back to the other. In a way, you're kind of frustrating yourself, and in the back of your mind, you know, you're kind of getting uptight because the thing that you're trying to get done isn't really being accomplished either, you know. Mm -hmm. So I've just found that, I, in fact, I was working with some people the other day on a listening and communication seminar, and I said, make sure that they've got eye contact, that they've got your 100% attention, even though it's hard to do that sometimes. I appreciate the fact that you have enough important things to do at the same time you were listening to us, you know. And in the meantime, I have just found if I do one thing at a time, you know, get it finished, then start the next thing. You bet. I found, Alex, that if I'm doing several things at one time, that almost all of them are C's. Right, yeah. And so and what I find, Jim is yeah. if I'm doing several things at one time, it tends to be their C projects. Cause well, uh, well, I think of this as an A project and think that what I was doing was, was C project. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, that's good. Exactly. And you mix an A and a C at the same time. <laughs> yeah. and, and then the hard part is that you might be doing an A project C quality. 
That's right. Okay. Great stuff. Thanks for your call this morning. Super. Who's next? Diane Harrison is online with a question. Please state your question. Hi, Brian. Hello, Diane. Dr. Lackey. Um, Dr. Lackey, I'm just starting with Brian's project. Oh, good. My question is how to get over this absolutely staggering fear that I'm not going to be able to do this. My desk is plain. I'm organized, but I just... I don't know, just listening to all of this, I think it's so wonderful, I think it's such good advice, but there's this this thing inside of me just crushing yeah. me, thinking, oh my God, you know, can I do all of this? Sounds you know, like an overwhelming A. Yeah, that's right. You know, one of the greatest things, I think, is if you realize that if you can take just a little time, block it out, to get your stuff in order, one of the neatest things that's going to happen is you're going to be freer. You're not going to be more uptight. Some people think that people that are good time managers are kind of uh, bound with change, you know, mm-hmm. about getting things done. And really, it's the opposite. It frees you up and gives you all the more time. Mm-hmm. And if you can just take a few minutes, a few hours sometime to, to plan that and get rolling, each one of those parts will give you a lot of freedom that you didn't have before. See, that is probably the most profound, powerful thing that I've found with all of this time management information and this organization material is what Alex just said, is that we think all of these systems and tools are bondage because they're requiring things of us. And what I found is that this is where the freedom is. Being disorganized is bondage. Not controlling your time is bondage. Yeah. That's like imprisonment. Diane, what I would do is this. One of the things, when you listen to this tape over and over again, Alex talks about this Swiss cheese model. This is a guy, I, I, I kid you not, I could have listed Alex's resume for 45 minutes on this call today. I just picked out a couple of little highlights. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who've been on the earth who've had just as many hours in their life as Alex Lackey has lived, but he has achieved extraordinarily more amounts than almost anyone I've ever met. And one of the things he does is this Swiss cheese method. And he takes little holes in the cheese, little holes in the cheese. In fact, what I'm going to tell you to do, because you sound like I really want to do this, but mm-hmm. I'm overwhelmed by it, and that's a great admission and a great recognition of where you are. Yeah, just great. I would go out to a store, There's like, and I would buy a rubber Swiss cheese, <laughs> and I would put it on your desk. I would get one for the dashboard of your car. Good idea, Brian. That's and I would have it everywhere you go. And, Diane, if you can go home every day and say, I got one little piece. I got five thank you notes sent out today. Mm-hmm. I contacted three people today. I did one pop by today. A little piece of Swiss cheese got done every day. I promise you, I will tell you right now, life is hard by the yard and a cinch by the inch. And the one thing I found about Americans is that everybody wants to be a multimillionaire and they want it now. Right. <laughs> everybody wants to get to heaven, nobody wants to die to get there. Right. I'm going to share with you right now, the things that have made me a fortune are the tiny little things like making a call, like sending a note, doing a little pop-by, just doing it in the midst of an extraordinarily busy day, taking the time to do that extra little piece of Swiss cheese. Okay. You've got a guy like Alex Lackey on the phone who's just a remarkable, remarkable life he's had. And yet, just a little piece of Swiss cheese at a time is what he's done. Brian, I will get my Swiss cheese. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Lackey. Good, Diane. Great question. You keep going, and you celebrate every little thing you do. Okay? And, Brian, I want to just mention something here. I really appreciate Diane's spirit about that and uh, her willingness to admit, you know, that it's kind of overwhelming seeming, but it's going to get simpler as she does it. I wanted to remind everybody that people tell me all the time, I don't have time to do that, and I remind them, everybody has exactly the same amount of time, Mm -hmm. 24 hours a day, there is no varying. And everybody has time, it just depends on how you divide it up and how you use it. Mm Thank you. Keep your goals in mind. Great stuff. Great question, Diane. You just celebrate every little thing you do. Right. That's great. Super. Take care. Great. Who's next? Sinan Hashemi is online with a question. Please state your question. Hi, Brian. Hi, Alex. Good morning. Who's this? Simin Hashemi. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Good to have you this morning. Thank you. My question is that when in the day you will draw a line, say, okay, I work 11 hours today, I'm going to go home. Or what is the average day of our work? I know our timing is flexible. We can schedule ourselves the way we want to. But mm-hmm. what is the average? How many hours uh, is 11 okay, 12? Because when I do my to-do list, I can go on and on and on, make it like till probably 12 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
tell her about the uh, average time there, Brian? I just want to say this, that if you can plan your day, and, and you pretty much have to decide what fits your life as far as the length goes, and Brian's going to talk about that from a real estate standpoint, but I would say if you can plan that day and put in the blocks of, of important things that are A projects and that are really aiming toward your values and your goals for life, then you regulate it, and it's not going to regulate you. You don't have to necessarily go 11 or 12 hours just because somebody else does. But planning that day according to your to-do list is going to get achieved what you need to do for that day. Right. I think, uh, here's my point on it, is first of all, number one, I've met a lot of people who are away from their home 70, 80 hours a week, and they are at work or in the process of working. The 70, 80 hours, though, when I've analyzed it and boiled it down, they might be actually doing what I consider proactive work five to six hours a day. I believe that you're being successful when the quality of the things you don't get done are very high, if that makes sense to you. Yes. You are going to do a things-to-do list, and guaranteed you will not get everything done. Everything that you could possibly consider to put on a things-to-do list, you will not get done. The question is, as you ABC them, did you go away today and did you get the most important things done that you were supposed to? That's right. The next thing is, as you look at your schedule, Simona, one of the things that's got to be in your thing is, is 11 or 12 hours okay? Here's the point. 11 or 12 hours is fine if that is the lifestyle that you choose to lead. Okay. If, what is more important to you? If it, You could be gone from home, but if it's a case of uh, if you have kids that are playing ball, boom. 4 o'clock to 5.30, I'm at the ballpark. Boom. It's scheduled in. Like Alex said, you make an appointment with yourself. And here's the thing. See, for me, I can't tell the difference between when I'm working and when I'm not. Because right now, it's all kind of like fun. Because in the middle of a day, I have a conference call today. I have a whole series of meetings today. Between 2.45 and 5.30, I'm playing golf. And at quarter six, I have a meeting. I have a a scheduled day here. I'm up in Newport Beach. And so I have appointments early, late. I have golf in the middle. I have a conference call in the morning. And, uh, you know, here's the thing. I'm getting a lot of stuff done, but I'm enjoying it. And it doesn't feel like, oh, my goodness, I put in 14 hours today. At the end of the day, I'm going to be rested and refreshed and have enjoyed the day. And so I encourage you to take a look at your schedule that way. And let me tell you one more thing, Brian, if I can peek back in here. Yeah, I think it's really good for all of us to remember it's not how much time you spend, but it's how you spend your time. Mm-hmm. And I had an assistant one time that said he was a workaholic, and he worked 12, 13 hours a day. And I realized in a very short time that he got about two and a half hours work done. <laughs> and it didn't have anything to do with how long he spent. See, right. so it's, like Brian said, it's the quality of what you're after and the lifestyle you want. And what you get done during that time is what counts. It's not just how long you spend. Right. On next month's conference call with Alex, one of the things we're going to get into is that really being organized is a state of mind. Right. And we're going to get into the organization of the mind because that is ultimately, uh, we're going to talk about that because being organized is a state of mind. It's a way of being. And we're going to delve into that some more. Okay? But thank you for your question this morning, Simon. That was great stuff. Great stuff. Both of you. Excellent information, Alex. Absolutely profound. I want to thank you for your information. This is really, it's great stuff. It's had a profound impact on me, and I know it'll be the difference for many, many of the people on the call this morning. I want to thank you for that. Well, it sure has been a privilege for me too, Brian, and I love sharing this stuff. Good. I know it works. That's great. I'd encourage you to listen to this no less than six times. Listen to the tape until you can finish the words of either Dr. Lackey or myself. If you will take this information on board, this is not just how to clean up a desk. This is truly how to get control of your life and your business, and that's where the profit comes. If you'll take this information on board, it will have a profound impact on you. I want to thank Alex again. He'll be on with us again, and we'll delve into this in an even deeper way. Thank you so much for being with us. God bless, and take care until we talk again. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Alex. What a brilliant man. Those five principles have altered my life for the better, my family life, my business life, just how I live every day. It was a great sadness that Alex passed away a few years ago, and he passed away quite suddenly. The church that held his memorial service was a huge church, and that day it was filled to the rafters with people standing outside. Alex Lackey touched the lives of thousands and thousands of people in a deep way. I believe his organizational skills gave him the freedom to give more of himself to others and be of more service to others. He was taken away from us prematurely, but because of how he was so organized, he lived an extraordinarily full life. 
I hope you enjoyed this interview. Don't forget to leave us a review. If this is the kind of programming you enjoy, please let us know. I have a bunch more where this came from. Just let me know if you like it or not. If you want more of this, we'll give you more. Don't forget we're also on Android, so you can download your favorite podcast app from Google Play and tune in for free. And so give us all that feedback. I love hearing the reviews, and it also helps spread the message. And that's my challenge to all of you. We don't fill your ears with sales pitches and sponsors and all the things that go on in most podcasts. We here are a service because we want to grow the message of a way to grow your mindset, motivation, and methodology in a positive way. We want to positively impact and improve your life. And all we ask of you is that if you enjoy this show, is that you share it with your family and friends, colleagues, co-workers. If you know somebody who's in need of a little inspiration, a little encouragement, a little instruction, please pass on the podcast to them. So as I finish here today, I'll leave you with a quote my grandfather used to always say as we left the home. May the roads rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.